this morning, Soul City Church? Yeah. Mm. I'm not going to compare you to the 8 o'clock crowd. I'm just saying they beat you on that. So uh, how are you? How you doing this morning? That's what I'm talking about. Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I'm so glad you are here. Today is a really special morning for us. We are actually in the last week of a teaching series where we've been looking at how to know when you grow. How do you know if you're actually growing and transforming and becoming more of who God created you to be? How can you tell? And so we've been looking at markers and things that you and I can do to participate with God in your growth. And uh, today we're going to conclude the teaching series by looking at how to put Jesus at the very center of your life. How do you put Jesus at the center of your life? Because when you do that, that's when everything shifts and changes. That's when you really begin to grow, when you move him to the center. See, I think for a lot of us, when it comes to God and where God fits into our life, we tend to view God like a card in the deck of the complexity of our life. And we try as best we can to kind of always get God to be the top card. You know, we want to always have God as the top card, but then we got other cards in the deck. We got family, we have work, we have friends, we have all the things we love to do in our free time. And so we try as best we can to get God to the top card, but so oftentimes he gets lost in the deck. Rather, what we're going to look at today than trying to get God to the top is to put God at the center. Huge shift, huge difference. Like the center of the hub of a wheel. Think of it that way. When he's at the center, everything else kind of revolves and comes out of him at the center. You don't have to try and kind of fight to get God back to the top or have, you know, all these other competing forces. When you put him at the very center, everything else flows out of the reality of him in your life. And so we're going to look at that today and how that works, how even work and your kind of calling, your purpose, your vocation in this world can flow from having Jesus at the very center of it all. And today's a really special treat. We have a guest with us today that I get to have a conversation with, um, which is a huge treat for us. His name's Ken Costa. And I became aware of Ken a couple years ago. I came across this book, God at Work, and I was so blown away because I knew of Ken's story. And when he uh, put this book out about how to really engage with God in the business place, like in the workplace, in your world and how God is actually already there. And I just thought, man, this is such a, what a, what a great gift because I knew a little bit of Ken's story. Ken is a very successful uh, person in the financial world, specifically in England, but really all over the world, has been a part of closing billions and billions of dollars worth of deals, has advised on some of the biggest deals to go down in the last couple decades in the financial world, is greatly respected, won a ton of awards for his leadership in the financial world. And on top of all of that, he actually is the chair of an amazing organization called Alpha, which Alpha is really about helping everyday ordinary folks find Jesus in their everyday ordinary world. And Ken gives incredible leadership to that. And I just thought, man, what, what, this is incredible that this guy, on top of all of that, actually has time to write a book. It took me like four years to write one book. He did all of that probably over the weekend. And so it's not that I'm comparing, I'm just saying, what a gift. And so what was really great is above all of his success in this world and his incredible wife Fiona and their four kids, at the center of it all, like a hub, at the center of the wheel of his life, has remained Jesus through it all. 
And that's interesting to me. And that's something worth talking about. And so it's an incredible privilege to close out this teaching series by welcoming our friend from all the way across the pond, Ken Costa. Will you welcome Ken up this morning? Good to see you again. Ken, it's great to have you yeah, it's great being here. here with us. Yeah. This is a huge treat. You uh, treat were here last night. You were at the... Uh, you were out very late partying last night, from what I understand. You can't trust pastors. They'll tell yeah. tales, won't they? So, uh, but it is true. Yeah, <laughs> Hillsong United, is. we sing a lot of their songs here on Sundays, and they were here doing the last night of their world tour, and you wanted to make sure that you were here for that sure. last night, and so you were here, my wife Jeannie, several folks from our church were here, out till very late. They just would not end that show last night, would they? Well, 11.30, they were still going, and then yeah. eventually the leader said, well, if you want to go home, go home. We're carrying on. So, uh, so they kept going. I love I thought that's what you do in that's Chicago. Just, yeah, that's how we do it. That's right. That's exactly how we do it. So, so thank you for getting up very early and getting over here uh, this morning. I'd love for you, for folks who may not be, have read your books or know... Um, Tell us a little bit about your story. Where, where do you come from? Who do you come from? What have you been up to in this world? How, give us a little sure. kind of program. Yeah. Well, I live in London um, and have uh, been there for the last 40 years working in investment banking and uh, finance and still there. But before that, um, I grew up in South Africa uh, and it was during the sort of horrible times of the apartheid regime. Nelson Mandela was in, was in jail. He was a great icon and one of the great times of my life was meeting him. I was a trustee mm. of the Mandela Children's Fund. Mm. Um, uh, but it was a horrible time and the, the churches didn't seem to be wanting to do anything there. We were young and burnt with injustice and so mm. um, it didn't look like there was much of a future there. So I left, mm. came to university uh, in Cambridge in, in England uh, and during that time my faith came alive together with Nikki Gumbel, who founded the Alpha Course, and the three of us, together with someone who's done the marriage course called Nikki Lee, written that. The three of us became close friends. We all came to faith at the same time. Mm. And um, we've met together and continued to meet together probably for the last 40 years every week. Wow. So, um, and um, now the church is in the center of London. Uh, it's called HTB, it's the home of Alpha. So I've done an investment banking job during, during the, the day and a bit of this at night, or. Mm -hmm. Doing it at the weekend, as yeah, you say. I'm yeah. pleased you didn't go on to say that it's obvious that it was done at a one weekend. Well, I didn't, didn't want to. I wasn't going to imply that. I'm just. I'll let them decide. I'll let them decide when they read it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's you know it's been it's been great. Um, dean of the leadership college at our church. Leadership is so important. Um, not just sort of you know churches always have leadership meetings and things, but usually for pastors and youth pastors and tea pastors and every other kind of pastor, but. But actually, we need Christians in the workplace that actually believe that you know that, that the place of your work is where God wants you to be. So we're training them, training them there. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Well, I love, it. and that's been a huge theme of your work is how to live out Christ at the center in your work, in the workplace for you. And I know we're going to get to that in a little bit. But you you mentioned that you came to faith at Cambridge uh, when you were in university. So talk to us a little bit about that. What was that? What brought you to a place of finally saying, after looking at the world around you and going, well, I don't, is there even a God? How could there be a God in the, in the midst of such yeah. terrible racial injustice? What brought you to that point of saying, no, I want to actually choose to have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I mean, the notion of a relationship with God is, of course, a complete 
foreign concept. You know, if you, well, how do you have a relationship with someone you can't see, you can't touch, you can't feel? I mean, all the things seem crazy. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, while I was there, a friend of mine explained to me about this Jesus Christ who'd forgiven our sins, that was the God of justice, that did care for people, and could ultimately see us liberated from the things that held us back. And it was a kind of deep hole within me that wasn't, wasn't filled. Mm. And I then realized that actually, um, you know, God wanted to be, you know, to speak to me, part of my life. So started the early traits of trying a negotiation with God, which is... <laughs> so you, so, okay, so in coming to begin a relationship with God, you sat down to the negotiation table with God. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> tell us how... <laughs> Well, that's good, because I mean, that would define your career, so Well, but it's, I don't look on it with much pride, because it's a, it was huge arrogance that well, we, we sat down with co-equals opposite t side of the table. Sure. Both with something to offer, yeah. Well, so, we were trying to set up a JV. It. I thought God could do quite well having me, and I thought it wouldn't be bad having a bit of God. Okay, yeah. <laughs> how, did that, how did that deal uh, shake out? How did it go? Well, like most deals, they never run according to what you think. Okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> so okay. so uh, what happened was, I just said, okay, God, I understand there's something here that looks good. Uh, you know, well, let's... I mean, I'm happy to give you some of my life, and answer came back, mm, not sure. Um, and so it was a time of sort of struggle, of trying to work out, is this real or not? Mm -hmm. And then eventually realized that actually, you know, someone explained to me that he wanted control of my life. So I said, well, okay, 50-50 is a great venture. <laughs> kind of came back, mm, not no. so sure. Okay, so uh, I then said, okay, 51%, there we are. Yeah, that's enough. Sign, sign, yeah. yeah. Final offer. Sign, yeah, the lawyers yeah. will do the small Yeah, that's right, the they'll small sort it all out. Yeah, that's, later, right, so. that's right, that's um, right. So you eventually negotiated your way into a relationship with God. I did. And then yeah. I realized, actually, that it was the other way around. Mm. And it was an all-or-nothing deal. And he was the one that would set the terms. Mm. Uh, and then I remember just getting on my knees and praying a simple prayer. And um, saying, Lord, you can have all of me, really. Mm. Um, and since then, you know, I mean, with it's been difficult. There are times when you doubt things that, mm. you know, kind of look, you know, it'd be strange if you didn't. Right. But by and large, the sort of trend line has been that he's been... He's been good, really. Yeah. Sometimes not immediately obvious. Yeah, but always ultimately. But ultimately, you know, the dots connect when you look back. Yeah. So coming out of that, you went into a career in the financial yeah. industry and yeah. investing, and and were again, as I mentioned in your intro, have had tremendous success and have been oh, one or two a part of some significant, some of the biggest deals, you know, in the last couple decades you've been able to advise on and you've been able to help give financial direction to significant uh, players in that game and so been awarded with success you've been awarded with um, you know people say awards you know literally like you know honoring you for your career and yet at the center of it all you have maintained from that first negotiation with God at Cambridge to keep Jesus at the center of it all it would be very easy in fact all of us probably know folks who have gotten lost by all the trappings of this world and, or have chased after those things, success, fame, that all that comes, what we believe comes with that. And yet for you, in the midst of having all of those things or being around all of those things, you have kept Jesus as the why, as you would say. He is your why. He is your purpose. He is the center of it all. How, how have you managed to do that I mean, yeah. it's one thing if you, without those things to say, oh, Jesus is everything yeah. to me. But when you've achieved or received a lot in this world to continue to maintain and hold on to that, how is that possible? How have you done that? 
Well, I mean, you remember when Jesus uh, was asked by the disciples, I mean, you know, you know, how is it going to be the rich person can get into heaven? Um, and the answer is, you know, people say, is, you know, has it been difficult? Well, the answer is no, it hasn't been difficult. It's been impossible. Okay. So, you know, sort of, yeah. and that's what Jesus said. It's impossible mm. without God. So this doesn't, it, you won't be able to, um, to do that. Mm. And from, I've learned something, which is that if you, don't, if you don't do a complete deal, as it were, if you don't let God you know, come completely into your life. You have just enough of Jesus to be miserable. Mm. And, and, you know, so you've got that slight misery look. And you're yeah, thinking, yeah. Well, honestly, don't do it. You know, go yeah. play golf. It's much better. Right, right, it's right, less right, damaging. Right, 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 right. It's less damaging. It's an all or nothing game, actually. Yeah. And then he sets yeah. the rules and it's, yeah. and it's an amazing thing. But what I did learn was that actually God wants you and me to be where he's created us to be. Mm. And therefore, the workplace is the place where 90-whatever percent of us um, are going to spend most of our weeks. I mean, you might come to a service like this once a week for an hour, or if you're a Pentecostal, for three hours. Yeah. But the, the, fact, the fact of the matter is that during the week, either God makes sense for you during the week, or he's, or he's got something massively wrong. Mm. And I came to this realization that my workstation was my worship station. Mm. So your workstation is your worship station. So, okay, so that's a pretty significant shift yeah. because for a lot of folks, when we think of work, we, we think, okay, that's the, for some folks, I should say, that's the thing I do to be able to do the things I want to do. Yeah. I got to kind of put up with work or I do yeah. my job and maybe for some folks they love it or they feel some sense of, you know, satisfaction with what they're doing. But for a lot of folks, it's, well, I kind of do that so that I can do these other things that I really want to do. But the shift for you was, well, what if this actually became kind of the, the, the point of this wasn't the success or the oh, climbing the ladder, all that. The point was to be fully alive with God in the place that he has me right now. That it's not like an accident that you were in the career that you were in or at the places that you work. So that's yeah. a fundamental shift that you weren't chasing after those things, but you were living out of something right where you were. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, I think that it's the nature of worship. I mean, being... Just being in work, or if you start your own work, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not just another job, it's an act of worship. Mm. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, the church got it all wrong and sort of said, oh, well, if you're a pastor or a bishop, you know, you're, you know, you're some greater washed, and then the rest of us are unwashed. But, no one um, here believes that. No, that's good. That's okay. Well, that's Go a good, good, <laughs> part, good teaching from yeah. the place. <laughs> and, and so, therefore, there's been a sense of, well, I'm doing something that's not really the best, but okay, I've got to put up with. Right. You know, I'm an accountant, and you know how much of the kingdom of God is in there in accounting rules? Right, right. A, a lot. Yeah. And the answer is that that's where God wants you to be. Mm. That's your act of worship. Mm. It's not that we're in a workplace in order to simply find other people to bring to Christ. Although, of course, we will make a justified defense of the truth that is within us. But it is to do a job of work well. If you're in marketing, it is in order to write a marketing document to the best of your ability without telling a lie or if you're a lawyer, to draft a document to the best of your ability to record the, 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 you know, what the parties have agreed. And God is glorified when you do just that. And we have to remember that's why God called you and me to be there. Okay, so wait. This is a huge shift because I think we, we can kind of move ourselves up on a scale of nobility to move from, uh, you know, my job is what it is and, you know, it's whatever. Two, I think the next thing to make us feel maybe a little better, maybe coming out of 
church or, or some conviction in us like, okay, well, I, maybe I don't love it or maybe it's not perfect, but I'm there to lead people to Christ and to, to, you know, or to bring them to church, which is awesome and amazing. You're saying, actually, the reason you're there is to do a really great job at the thing you're there to do. And yeah. in doing that, you glorify God. That sure. whatever you do, work or sleep or whatever it is, do it all for the glory of God. You would say, that is what you actually do. You, yeah, absolutely. Your job matters and the way that you do it matters because that is your witness. And it matters to God. Because otherwise, really what, 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 a, what, a, what a ridiculous, um, you know, God is the great economist, but how on earth would he have created you with gifts, skills, strengths, weaknesses, imagination, analytical skills, skills, emotional intelligence, all the others, okay, we'll just leave all that hmm. um, because we're only going to use it for an hour on a Sunday or maybe if you've got a small group meeting, right. but it doesn't work yeah. because he wants us to fulfill what he's created us to do as an act of worship to him in the very place. I mean, it's tough. I don't have to tell you. You <laughs> don't have to tell me how tough it is out there. I mean, it's a harsh commercial compromises that we have to, to live. I mean, we live in the world. Sure, but not by the values of the world. Hmm. And of course, you people will say you're a hypocrite, and oh, you know, he goes to church and look, he's sort of how, what his life is like. Yeah, sure, that's hmm. part that's of the part cross of the... we have to bear. I think this is huge because I, I don't think I've even thought of this until even just now we're having this conversation. That it's it's one thing to look at your workplace and say, hey, I, I, you know, I want to be a light, I want to be a positive, and you can, that's very important. But if you're terrible at your job, that's, that's a, if you're not good at your actual job, then what witness is there? Like, well, they're a really nice person, too bad we had to let them go. I mean, that's yeah. really, so, so to excel in the actual work that exactly. you're given to do yeah. while being alive while yeah. doing it, that is what you that, would call you see, your why. Because that's what the Spirit of God is teaching us. So many people get the idea that, you know, we, because you're, we're Christians, we're minorities and whatever it is, and we can now work places, etc. We don't talk too much about it, any of it. We become sort of the suppressed minority in the workplace. Well, I mean, I don't understand any of that. The fact of the matter is, is while we are doing the creative work, we don't want to be religious. Uh, the Spirit of God makes Jesus human that's what the Spirit of God did, and that's what Jesus does to us. He makes us more human, mm. so that we become normal human beings with normal ways of talking to people mm. and connecting where they are mm. in their lives. I mean, their lives are, are screwed up as our lives mm. are. Marriages yeah, are difficult, yeah. can't pay the bills, kids mm. going to school, Ten teenagers are tearaways, <laughs> don't know where the next job is gonna come from, they haven't been promoted. Yeah. You know, you've got it's to cope with them. Stuff. Well, yeah. it's, that's all in the course of a day. I mean, yeah, that's, right, really. Yeah, that's true. That's tough. That's a tough day. So, okay, so this is, so you just put this book out. It's called Know Your Why. This literally just came out. Fantastic, fantastic book. And it's really all about calling. It's about finding your yeah. purpose, you know, kind of taking the work of God at work and saying, okay, let's get a little bit, even zoom out a little bit more. How do you know your why and the purpose? So I'd love for you to talk to us about how does someone discover their why, the, their purpose that, what we talked about a little bit ago, about Jesus being at the very center, that sole purpose. How does someone discover what that looks like for their unique life, for their unique 
gifts and skills and abilities, opportunities and circumstances. But that's the great word, uh, Jared. That, that is the great word. It's unique. Mm. It's unique. There's no one in this room that has got any other sort of um, way that God has called you other than who you are. It's not some random event that you're listening to me now. It's not a random event mm. that you happen to be in the place in which he's called you to be. Um, our problem is that, of course, we, we, we're always dreaming about someone else. You know, the, mm. um, you know, someone else, Fred, looks so much uh, you know, more competent. He, you know, he's, he's got greater skills, and Maria's um, so much brighter. And I want a bit of this and a bit of that, and we end up with a smorgasbord of sort of such a hopeless mess. You couldn't live like that by comparing ourselves to by, all these bright yeah, spots. Yeah, it's like a goat compare site. Yeah, you know, right. Sort of, where's the cheaper? You know, who's best at this? Who's best at that? Right. And so we measure ourselves off. Of so we measure ourselves off. It's a waste of time because what God has done is He called us uniquely. So the first thing I think is that it's just a distinctive for a Christian to know their why as it is for anybody else. Of course, purpose is quite the rage. Everybody wants a purpose in life. But that's not the point. The point is I can have lots of purposes. Mm. But, you know, am I going to have the, the power to persevere in, in the purpose. Where does that come from? Well, I can try and generate it from myself and, you know, sort of do, read self-help books and eat well and go and take exercise and all the other stuff. But at the end of the day, for the Christian, there's a wonderful thing and it's this. You are loved by God, mm. you are known by God, mm. and you're called by God. I am loved by him. I know that. Uh, sometimes it feels a bit not so good, but I know that he loves me, uh, died for me. You know, he's got skin in my game. You know, he wants me to do well. Doesn't want me to be defeated. That he knows me. He knows how he's made me. He knows the deficiencies. He knows the strengths. He knows the weaknesses. And he's called me. Sort of, it's not some random event. As I said, it's mm. it's not some piece of chaos theory that we all just happen to be sort of thrown together. Yeah. But he's actually called us and said, "I've called you, and I'm going to equip you. What you know, where I give you a purpose, I'll give you the power to persevere." So, okay, so that's important, that every person, that, that's just true of them, that they are loved by God, yep. whether they like it or not, they are loved by God, yep. and God loves them. And whether you feel you it or not. Whether you feel it or not, yeah. you're known by God. That means that God knows every part of who you are because he made you, he knows your circumstances that surround you, and every person is actually called by God, that there is a calling on our lives, or callings on our lives, that we are invited into to be faithful to, that give us purpose, that help us persevere when life continues to be like life is, challenging, demanding, complex. And, and, and I mean, you know, there is the, the, the modern acronym of life being VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and angry. Mm. If you look around the world, you look around about business places, mm. quite a lot of it is there at the moment. Yeah. So we have to now negotiate uh, uh, in this back against this background at the one level on the other there is this huge change in the workplace I mean, it's just massive we haven't begun to understand what's going to happen to us mm. in the next 10 or 20 or 20 years and that means that for many of us are going to have many many more jobs than for example I had mm. or different phases or stages of life different seasons of life Hmm. And so knowing your why is really important because you've got to know your why through the seasons of life, yeah, right. not just in the good time. Everything's going well. I mean, even I can do that. Right. Um, but um, so it's, it's being content where you are, hmm. but also when, when God sort of begins to 
to kind of mess around with your head a bit, um, then you kind of sense maybe it's time to move. Okay. Um, and then what I call in the book the game before the game. It's the preparation for the next stage of our lives. And, and that's quite a painful adjustment, the transition. Yeah. We, you know, we, we all find it difficult. Okay, so, let, so let's dial into this a little bit more. Okay. There's a lot of folks here in our overflow space listening online who find themselves in maybe a game before a game at many different points in their life. So yep. we have some folks just out of college who are going, okay, where now? What do I do now? I, you know, it's all kind of sky's limit. Some folks are in the middle of their career or maybe coming back to the workplace and wanting to go, okay, I'm not sure I'm supposed to continue doing what I was doing. Then yet we also have folks who are coming to the end maybe of a yep. career vocation yep. and are saying, okay, what's the why after this? For the last 30, 40 years, it's been this. What is it now? So what, what would be a, a process? I know you talk about this in the book. A process for really discerning the why that, for your life. And maybe a, like you talk about the game before the game. What do you do in the game before the game? Well, the first thing to do uh, is uh, Psalm 61 says, you know, lead me to the rock that is higher than myself. Mm-hmm. Now, for all of us, you need to buy into something bigger than yourself because mm-hmm. if you're just done with your, you know, only you and yourself trying to figure it out, it's going to be very difficult because a value system and that is the relationship of Jesus Christ and the church around you um, is all very important. So we buy into something that's bigger than ourselves. That's the first bit. Mm-hmm. Second, of course, well, sorry, the first is that, you know, we know that you're loved, known, and and called, then you buy something that's bigger than yourself. And here's some practical things. So the first is, how do I know? Well, the, you, you get a kind of nudge. Mm-hmm. You read something in a newspaper. Somebody just, you're having a drink with someone and they just pop a, a thought into your head. Well, why did you start your own business? And, mm-hmm. Why would I? And then you kind of play it around your head and mm-hmm. it sort of begins. So the first step is that you get that nudge and then it is to consider uh, you know, these Mary considered all these things in her heart. Mm. There is a time of weighing things up, considering. Mm. So that's you yourself, it's quiet, quiet, reflect. Yeah, just yeah, considering, pondering, maybe a nudge yeah, or a, yeah, thing, a direction yeah, that might yeah, be. Yeah, take some time out. Yep. You know, but just keep it yourself. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you just get your head just. Your headspace goes mad. So not a good time to like tweet it or put no, it on no, Facebook. No, okay. no, 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 no. Should I no, no. quit my job? No, not okay. yet. No, okay. No, okay. No, okay. No. You're jumping the gun. Just so trying we, to be practical. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's We've good. got a few steps to yeah. go. So we'll get there. Okay, okay, we'll, good, we'll good, get good, there. Good, good, good. So the second bit is to consult. Okay. Um, consult. Now, here's the issue on consulting. You know, everybody says, you know, in a multitude of counselors, there are, you know, there is much wisdom. It doesn't mean to say in a multitude of opinions, there is much mm. wisdom. So you've got to choose well who you consult with. You know, don't sort of game the system by asking somebody who you know will give you an answer, the one you want. Mm-hmm. Consult with people who've got skin in your game because mm-hmm. they're rooting for you. They, mm-hmm. they want you to succeed rather than to fail. Mm-hmm. They kind of like you and you like them, but you know, they're quite serious. Maybe somebody older. Mm-hmm. And I, I often, in many cases, have talked to worship leaders you know, who I've have a special affinity for uh, and that's particularly because they don't seem to have any stress in their lives they have to pick a few songs yeah you just know, get to you know, get play, up here and get dance up around here, those, yeah, we've seen on. you know yeah, right. sort of easy no offense so e- easy peasy stuff but they do, they do hear God away from the stress of the world that I happen to live in mm. so you know while I'm consulting I usually choose somebody who is in the business kind of, kind of understands me and understands the world of finance because mm. it's a pretty odd world mm. and then somebody doesn't understand anything but mm. both of them have got some skin in the game and we talk yeah. about it you know what will yeah. it mean for the family for the, you know etc so you consult 
So you um, consider first with yourself, consult with what we call around here a, a circle of godly wisdom. Yes. You know, not just yeah, opinion, yeah. but yeah. wisdom. Yeah. And then what? Then the third is clarify. Mm-hmm. And this is really an important one. You've got to clarify the issues that you're dealing with. M- most people getting into this sort of game before the game, transition, whichever you want to call it, mm-hmm. suddenly get massively muddled up because you, you pose the question, you answer the question, you pose it, you answer it, you go round and round your head and does your head in. Um, w- what you then need to do is to clarify the, the, the whole... You know, what is the question that I'm really addressing that God wants me to address with now? What is my need now? God will meet our needs. What What is God... You know, he, he kind of likes us, actually. <laughs> we think he's sort of some ogre, but he need, you know, he likes, he wants to meet your needs in the seasons of your life which are different. So what's the need that, that I have at that, at that moment? And that's when you tweet it, coming back okay. to you. you, you say, good, good, good. Just, just tweet the, what the issue is that you're dealing with when you're mm-hmm. clarifying it. Um, and I often use the sort of the, the, the way of clarifying by contrast. You know, state the opposite. If I don't start my own business, mm. well, then I'm going to get a salary for the rest of my life. I'm going to be bored out of my mind, and uh, mm. I'll stay where I am, or whatever it is. Right. State the opposite. So clarify by contrast. Mm. Um, so now we've got to that picture where we're beginning to see it a little clearer, and that's where, of course, all of us start getting cold feet because the next mm. step is courage. courage. You need the courage. Yeah to actually take the step. You've got to press a button. You've got to pull a lever. You've got to plant a seed, whatever metaphor you want. Sure, sure. So that's, you might want to jot these down because there's a lot of wisdom in those four C's right there. Thank you for having them all start with the same letter. Uh, Start of my surname. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So you consider, you consider. If there's a nudge, there's a problem, you consider. That's just you. That's just you weighing that, praying about that, listening to that, tossing it around for a little bit. Then you consult with a circle of godly wisdom. People who listen to God and care about you aren't just going to say what you want to hear or just give you their opinion. You're going to do that. And then from there, you clarify it. Hey, this is really what I think this next season, because we don't have any promise of tomorrow, but from what I tell this next season... I can be about this. Yeah. I feel like God is leading me to be about this. And then from there, it really does come down to that fourth C of courage. You have to have the courage then to actually step out, yeah. to, 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 to have the conversation, to do the, and not sort of tiptoe around it. But if God has led you all of this way, surely he will lead you all the way through. And the test of it, the last, is that you'll feel content. Hmm. You know, you'll, you'll feel, you know, God, you've, I've done what I can. I yeah, might have I've got it faithful, right. right. Could have got it wrong. Right, but I did everything. I, I did everything. That's that is huge. And, and Jared, do you mind? If, I just there's someone here today. Can I just make this point? Please. Someone here, uh, you're going through the end of a season, hmm. and it's it's really distressing and stressing you out. I just want to say this to you: the hmm. end of a season is not the end of your destiny in hmm. life. Um, when Jesus died on the cross. He said it was finished. He didn't say he is finished. He rose again. So I just want to leave that in courage with you. The end of a season is not the end of your destiny. Sorry about that. No, that's a beautiful word. I think that hit a lot of... So they they would agree. Um, And that's a part of life, is these transitions. There's 
a chapter ends for a new one to begin. I mean, we, we but you see, it's completely unknown. And a previous generation never had to go through this. Right. I mean, even I, any, you know, I thought I'd have one job for life when right. I started. Well, I had right. three or four, but yeah. but now it's multiple, well, you have many three or four seasons, at the same time, though. So. Same time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, working yeah. from home, patterns yeah. of work are changing. Right. The so. whole thing is in disruptive technologies, disrupting our spiritual life. Mm. Sometimes quite well, yeah. quite good, but we need to get through it. So, Ken, what would be for you a passage or, or passages that have really become the center of your why, the kind of why behind your why, the this is what it's really all about for me. I know that as God has completely wrecked and shaped your life since those days in Cambridge, my hunch is there's a, a couple at least. Would you mind sharing with us? Uh... Well, the verse from our marriage, I came that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it, there's no point in not enjoying life. Yeah. And, but it's life as given to us by God. You know, mm. it, it, the thing, the great mistake people make is to say that there's a difference between, I mean, if you ask somebody, what's the opposite of life? The answer is death. It isn't. Mm -hmm. That's the story of Genesis. The story of the New Testament is that the opposite of life is life in the spirit. You know, that the mm. spirit gives life. In other words, that there is a Holy Spirit, that there is a Christ that is formed within us, mm. that is godly. Mm. And it's a totally different way of living. And mm. if you live that way, you, you live well, because then you get to know the why it is. Because, you know, Jesus said, I've chosen you, you haven't chosen me. I've chosen you to, to go, to be anointed, to anointed to go, which means I've invested in you. Mm. God invests in you, the returns are infinite. Mm. The IRR can't be calculated. <laughs> uh, and if... Uh, but in order that you might bear fruit, not in just ordinary fruit, but, but fruit that sustains. And mm. I think sustainable climate, sustainable food, sustainable energy, and sustainable Christian fruit is what it's all about. Not a one-night stand. It just, mm. all, just happens, that, you know, sort of one for one moment. This is, we're playing over the long term, yeah. which is what you're doing in this church, which is mm. why it's so amazing to see your plans, because mm. you guys know your why. Mm. You want to reach the people around you. You're investing mm. your time, your energy, and your mm. money in the things that you believe in. Mm. And that makes a difference. But it's a, it's a longer game. Yeah. And it's taken five, six years, or however long it's mm. taken. And it's going to be so exciting yeah, when you, you see the fruit of your why coming, you. coming into the sustainable fruit of, of, of seeing people come to know their why uh, and to, uh, to know Jesus in their lives. Mm. Well, I, Ken, I, you're, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg in this conversation of uh, what you have lived out faithfully and then what you've drawn out through your writing and what you've brought into uh, our time here together and into this world. I, I would love closing thought from you, anything that you would love to leave us with today that, um, you know, maybe the whole reason we came, maybe the whole reason you came. Any closing thoughts from you today? One closing thought, and it comes from Miles Davis. You know, this is not a very quick fix for, for you know, finding... Yeah. Be because the world is so complicated now, and it's so changing. And, and he had this great comment. He said, man, it takes a long time to sound like yourself. Mm. It takes a long time <laughs> to sound like yourself. Mm. I mean, it's a journey into yourself. It's a journey with God. You know, we turn away from him. We think we know better. Mm. He brings us back, and over time... You know, there is, and over time, there is that great uh, scripture in the first letter of St. Paul to the mm -hmm. Corinthians, uh, to get it, for me to get it right. Um, verse 10, 
But the, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am who I am. You're unique. I'm unique. He hasn't made another. By the grace of God, I am who I am. It may take time. But when you get, you know, find your why, and when you've found your why, help others find theirs. Well, can I thank you for how you've yeah, done that work yourself and how you've helped us it's great today. Being with it's you. a tremendous privilege yeah, to have you with us. So can we thank Ken Costa for joining us today? Thank you very much. Well thank you. Thank you. you know, I, um, thank you very much. I was thinking of this time, this conversation uh, together today and thinking of, of y'all and that idea of, of moving from trying to get God to the top of the deck, you know, as we try and do and shuffle the deck and then life happens and all the cards are all over the table. How to get Christ to the center of who you are, like that hub of a wheel that everything revolves around, everything flows out of. And I was reminded of a beautiful passage of scripture in the Bible and the book of Colossians, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it's really this beautiful poem that if we had more time, we'd get more into the, the depths of. But I want to read to you for just a moment from uh, Colossians chapter one. And uh, Paul is painting a picture for how not only our lives, but how everything imaginable has Christ at the center of it that our whole world and universe and things seen and unseen actually, ultimately, already has Jesus at the center of it. So let me just read some of these words to you and let them be a, a reminder and reflection of what is already actually true and what can be true for you today. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. That means that Jesus is the representation, the manifestation of a God that we could not see previous or prior to Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. That means it is all actually, ultimately, his birthright. It all belongs to him. Verse 16, for in him, now listen to this, all things, in him, all things were created. This is where Paul gets a little poetic here. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That means that all of it, all of it ultimate, ultimately comes from Jesus, through Jesus, and it ultimately all comes back to Jesus because it's for Jesus, for his glory and for his renown. That there's not a power on earth that is more powerful than Jesus. There's not a power or a ruler or a presidential candidate that is more powerful or can overpower Jesus because ultimately all of it comes from him. He goes on to say that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Think about that concept that Jesus is the glue of the universe, that it's actually all being held together. All of it is being held together by Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. That means he is ultimately the head of this group of people, this special beloved community and every church throughout history. He is the beginning of the firstborn among the dead. That means those resurrected and brought to life. He is the one that has done that so that in everything he might have the supremacy above all. 
For God was pleased to have, now listen to this, this is really important. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That means that God took all of who God is and put it into Jesus and said, Jesus, you will bear my fullness, my fullness in this world. All of it poured into Jesus by God. And then it says this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, it's a powerful picture to consider that God poured all of himself into Jesus and said, this is the center of it all. This is the point of it all. All things by him, all things through him, all things from him, all things for him, all things being held together by him. But this is where it gets really fun. And this is what blows my mind. And this is how I know it's possible for you and I and everyday ordinary folks to put Jesus at the center of our life. It says this in verse 26, the mystery, there's a mystery about all of this that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is being disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, among the world, the glorious riches of this mystery. And here it is, which is Christ in you. And that is the hope of glory. Now, just think about that for a second. It pleased God to put all of his fullness into Jesus. And God said, I'm not done yet. Because I'm going to put all of Jesus into you. That is powerful. That is a powerful thing. That he can be in you and at the center of you. So if the whole universe, if things seen and unseen are held together with Jesus at the center, is it possible that your world can be held together with him at the center? Is it possible that your relationships, that your work, that your free time, that your callings, that your all of it, your everyday ordinary life, if the universe is being held together with Jesus at the center, is it possible that your world can be held together by him too? And so here's what I want to do. I want to give us a moment to bring Jesus back to center, to stop trying to get him to the top of the deck, but to bring him to the center. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray with you. And I want to just give the opportunity for anyone and everyone who maybe has gotten Jesus lost in the shuffle, or maybe you've never done that before. You've never taken that moment to say, no, I want you at the center, not a part of my life, the point of my life, so that everything else will flow out of that. I want to offer you a time to pray and to bring Jesus back to the center or to invite him to the center. So anyone here, no matter what circumstances or story brought you to this point where Jesus has kind of drifted away or has never even been a part of your life before, I want to offer you an invitation to put him back where he belongs, the center of it all today. So if you'd like to do that, I just want you to repeat the prayer in your own words that I'm about to pray. So you can just pray after me if you want to do that today. And then we're going to close by worshiping together. Let's pray together. If you want, open your hands. We do that as a posture of surrender and openness to God. And then again, if you want to put Jesus at the center of it all, then repeat after me. Jesus, I choose to put you at the center. Thank you for choosing me. I choose you. Thank you that through your death, I have life. Thank you that it's your blood 
that can flow through my veins. Jesus, you are the center. Be the point and purpose of my life. I choose to live in relationship with you. I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you as best I can for the rest of my life. And Jesus, we thank you for every single person who's chosen to put you at the center. God, I thank you for Ken and for his incredible witness that he has been great at what he does, but beyond all that, his why is so evident. And God, we pray blessing over his family. We pray blessing over his work, over these books. God, we pray that many, many more would come and find you at the center of his story and that they would make you the center of their story. And God, I thank you for all the folks who did that here today. God, help us to live out of the center of who you are. Thank you that you make all of who you are available to Jesus and all of who Jesus is available to us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And thank you that you are building something bigger than just this moment, that you are building a kingdom that will reign throughout eternity and that you invite us to be at the center of your activity in that kingdom and in this world. And so God, we thank you that beyond circumstances, that beyond troubling times, that beyond dark days, that beyond bright days, your kingdom reigns. Your kingdom will reign forever. And so we join with angels in heaven as we declare that to you right now. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen. Amen.